0: (laughs) all right what's up everybody and welcome to the uncovering unexplained mysteries podcast for wednesday november 23rd a day before thanksgiving i am josh cannon i'm here with mike how are you doing mike
1: i'm doing great actually uh i finally got a new mic and uh it's um, something I'm still getting used to because I have to hear the audio from my computer through my microphone. So I have this sort of latency issue, according to Josh here, the music guru. Yes.
0: So yeah, thank you everybody for tuning in yet again. If you want to become a fan of us on Facebook, it's Facebook.com slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. And if you want to donate to our Patreon, it's Patreon.com slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. And there's also a bunch of bonus content on there. You'll get an extra segment from time to time. I'll read us your own unique story on, on our podcast, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Um, as far as the news of the show and everything like that, um, I, I, everything's been quiet on the John and Terry legal front. I have not heard anything from them. Um, I'm guessing me sending them that email to their lawyer saying, okay, look, buddy, we've changed the name, we've changed the music, we've changed everything. And actually having a phone conversation with that guy. I'm guessing that was enough to pacify them and get them off my back. I'm hoping it is, um... So, um Jimmy, I'm still I'm still waiting on the iTunes cover art to change on the iTunes store, but I mean, that's that's on Apple's end cuz I've done everything on my end to change it and it's just a matter of Apple actually going through and, and making those changes, so there's nothing I can do about that cuz there's nothing more I would like than to get rid of that old logo cuz it's just honestly br- like brings bad memories at this point every time <laughs> I see it. Uh, not about the show, but just about you know our podcast having that logo. It it just brings puts except a bad... not
1: on your chest, right? Because it's the same font. And it's the same on that T shirt you got. Yeah, yeah. Um, if that you I'm wanna... honestly pretty jealous about, but i still want to <laughs> get. I still want. I I still want to get one.
0: Dude, I just like I, I yeah I got this unsolved mysteries T shirt recently from uh, Redbubble.com. I'm not even plugging or promoting them. I'm just saying like that's where I got it, and um. that's where I
1: got the font and everything. That's where I got the thing that we used.
0: Oh, from there. Oh, okay. Wow. All right. Yeah, I got it. So that's why I was surprised about
1: their why they had such a big problem with it.
0: Yeah, you know, you never know who there's who else they're sending cease and desist letters to though. But but the fact that they're still around and their shit hasn't been taken down kind of tells me that you know whatever that that maybe they're not really getting hit as hard as we we got hit. I don't know why they. (laughs) I don't know. I, don't. I
1: think it's just because they had they had, they had your address.
0: <laughs> yeah, that probably had a lot to do with it. Honestly, um, they don't. Yeah, they don't really have the ability to send cease and desist letters to just anybody's email, but or or home address or whatever. But anyway, um, yeah. So I mean, I guess we're guess we're rolling. You know, yep. Uh, fast and clean, and you know, above the the law or, or below the law or at the level. I don't. Above the law. I don't know. don't know you think you're above the law don't why don't leave me with analogies (laughs) here i obviously have no command over them all right so the first segment we're going to talk about is a fan request i have a whole list here of the fan requests uh some of them i can find some of them i can't some of them seem to be uh to only have aired on the farina ones which i find that hard to believe because i don't think they ever did any original segments for that
1: apparently they did when you look it up on uh the internet so
0: did you find that too, like, with some of them? It seemed like they only... Yeah, were, yeah that's, that is weird, because I thought that... I mean, it would make sense that, you know, you have the show on in 2008. Why, why not put some new stuff on there, you I know? think it should
1: have been all new, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, oh,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Because, I mean, you know, nothing sucked worse. I remember the inaugural segment that the New Unsolved Mysteries did with Dennis Farina. The very first segment they did was the Kurt Cobain yeah I guess, because they were trying to garner, you know, like, well, he's still relevant. Nirvana's still around, and they're still like. So let's have that be the first segment of the show for the first episode. And I remember watching it just going like just just the feeling of just disappointment and not even being able to lie to myself that this was just a such a subpar product yeah. compared to the old show.
1: This is a deja vu. Yeah, it was not the good kind of deja vu. Yeah, it was. I don't think there um, is a good kind of deja vu.
0: Yeah, I hate that feeling. I'm not a huge fan of that. It's really weird. Sometimes it'll last for like a good minute too, which is creepy.
1: That's probably what it was like watching that episode.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and the Kurt Cobain case is such a weird case to start on too, because it's you know like it's already been kind of like investigated in like so many different angles. I mean, I'm not above you know talking about it on on this podcast. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind talking about it just because I, I you know any time I get an excuse to talk about music, I'm gonna take that opportunity. But um, you know it's it's kind of like um, lo- like Loch Ness monster and all like Bigfoot to a certain extent. It's just been so over explained and over investigated it's just kind of like you know yeah i don't know did court did kurt cobain kill himself or did courtney do it i don't know i'm thinking he probably killed himself yeah uh you you know there are there are some things that stick out like the last few lines of his suicide note were clearly not his handwriting and it was supposed to be a retirement letter to his fans, but I don't see him writing a retirement letter to his fans. That seems kind of a, anyway, we're not talking about that segment right (laughs)
1: now. We're talking about, it sounds like when you tell, when you compare, when people talk about the Terminator versus T2 and I I love both films, but you know, as much as I really like T2, I I would honestly rather talk more about the Terminator because, and I'd rather watch the Terminator over T2 because T two is one of those films that I, I feel like I've already watched before I even decide to sit down and watch it.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's really cool though. I mean, Terminator two is just that's that's just oh yeah, it's very entertaining. I would say with all the special effects and all,
1: it's a great movie. It's just I don't know. It's it's the kind of the overplayed thing. Uh, Psycho is another film for me. The original <laughs> Psycho, that's like that. Hey, Mike. The shower scene has no. Uh, really doesn't have any uh, impact anymore.
0: Hey, Mike. What? Guess what?
1: You haven't seen Psycho.
0: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling. And your hatred for me grows, grows Not really. daily.
1: Not really, because I'm okay with that. It's fine.
0: If I talk, to- like I said, I've said before, I'll say it again. If I if I made a list of the movies I, that I haven't seen, you would stop talking to me. I think I'm pretty sure. Nah. Well, at least some people get enjoyment out of my the movies I haven't seen. Uh, one of the one of the people who listens to our show, uh, messaged me about how she gets a kick about how uh, I've never <laughs> I never know any of the references <laughs> that you drop and you know whatever. So I'm glad that that you know my stupidity and well not stupidity but you know my ignorance of movie references because of and you know I'm over here thinking like I've seen so many movies I've seen so many critically acclaimed films that probably other people haven't seen like. Koyanascotsi, that that in, that musical movie that
1: I've heard of that, but and that's how you pronounce it? Yeah. I, I did not know that's how you pronounce it. I was pronouncing it wrong the whole time. Uh I have not seen that, but I've heard of it. It just hasn't really interested me that much.
0: It's great. Well, I think I think the reason why it did interest me was it was ma- it was mainly a mu- kind of a music movie. It was Philip Glass who composed the entire score for the movie, and I love Philip Glass's work and uh, the juxtaposition of uh, nature and it slowly show and it's like all time lapse for the most part, and it shows yeah. how technology slowly creeps in. And I think there's over. a sequel as well. Yeah, I, I believe so. But yeah, that movie was really good. And, and I'm sitting here thinking like, man, I've seen all these like underground movies. And then I meet you, and you're like, well, there's this movie and this movie and this movie. I'm like, what? I thought <laughs> th- I thought there was only like 50 movies in the world, and I thought I saw them all. <laughs> Apparently, there's more.
1: Yeah, there's there's millions of movies. God, uh, it, it's 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 gotten crazy uh, to catch up to, on all of the ones that have been released. That's why I don't really complain that much about a movie not being 100% original anymore because it's it's impossible.
0: Yeah, same with music, man. It's like everyone's dropping new albums left and right, and it's like, I don't know. You, I think be, becoming an old person is when you just kind of get to that point to where you stop taking in new stuff and it's or or maybe you still take in new stuff but it doesn't really have any influence over you like it did when you were younger and you just kind of pick the stuff that you like and you're like okay this I'm sticking with these core things and I'm not taking any new stuff sorry society I'm not taking any new bands I'm not taking any new uh, you know, movies or you know, whatever. You just kind of like stick to the whatever you. I'm know. not at that point yet. <laughs> so, uh, dude, I'm getting there with music. I'm really getting there with music. I mean, I'm slowly opening up to like more hip hop stuff that I kind of yeah. slept on in the 2000s. Like,
1: I'm I'm there with uh, reboots and remakes, but not with all a lot of the other genres.
0: Yeah, I don't know, man. It's like, it's like I don't know. If this show started out as tech talk and now it's moved on <laughs> to josh and mike discuss movies and music
1: <laughs> hey you know this uh it's our show that's right
0: <laughs> that's right we can't forget that at the end of the day it is our show
1: anyway uh the case that was requested
0: was the case of angela, angela hammond. hammond yes uh let's dig into this this dinner room. the here. picture
1: here she has a re- I mean, I know I'm not supposed to, you know, she went missing and was probably uh, not alive anymore. But the picture they use here is not the most flattering photo of her, I have to be honest. So she's got that helmet, 80s hair with the bangs and the perm. Okay,
0: and- she's got, yeah, she's got some crazy bangs going on, almost like the, like the wannabe Cleopatra bangs, but not, I mean... Y- she, I think she's a really pretty girl. Uh um, she, she is.
1: It's just it's just the you know, the 80s, the fashion, you know, she was a victim
0: hair. of the fashion of the time. You know, with a lot of these people on here, uh, and uh, like anytime you watch any like news footage from like the 80s or 90s and it shows some of the people and you know, since I'm attracted to women, I guess I'll comment on the women on there cuz those are the ones that I'm looking at mainly. Um, well, 100% I should say. Um <laughs> Like, Unless
1: I, it's somebody with a moon pie face that you want to slap. Yeah, that
0: oh, yes, then I focus on that too. But like I'm like looking at these people and I'm like, man, if you like straightened your hair and took those stupid glasses off that were the size of your entire <laughs> face and like, you know, maybe maybe got a tattoo here or there. I'm like, man, she would look really good, you yeah, know. There's, there's but they're wearing these shoulder pad oak bottle glasses. Yeah, you know? these shoulder pad dresses and like just Elaine from Seinfeld basically style clothing and hair and <laughs> Uh, damn! I don't know why fashion and shit. I don't know why that stuff usually ages as bad as it does. But man, the '80s and '90s in particular was like, even the guys. You know, they wore everyone wore their pants pass up past their belly button. Everyone tucked their shirts in at all times. The guys all had mustaches, which I think is kind of a cool look. Um, when you it's- had
1: that. Uh, you had that. Uh, '80s fad of the acid wash jeans. My my dad actually had those yeah man I think it had, had washed wash jacket as well and like um, snake skin boots and, and he he it was, was a big fan of that band white snake
0: oh my god so he
1: liked it had like white snake skin boots it was so bad it really was
0: the biggest thing I remember from the 90s is literally everybody every like grown-up woman that I saw wore their pants up up past their belly button and for some God knows, what reason that fad has come back a little bit like i see girls from time to time who wear their jeans up high like that uh, i call it the mom jean look um <laughs> it looks good on some people and like now that i see it you know when i go out sometimes i'm like ah, eh, that actually doesn't look that bad but um yeah man i don't I know, know. The,
1: the leggings uh made a huge comeback the you know but without the leg warmers
0: yeah Which, I I am not going to complain about leggings at all. Um, I like. (laughs) Anyway,
1: the case is about Angela Hammond, who was 20 years old and four months pregnant uh, when she disappeared.
0: Yeah, okay, so this takes place in Clinton, Missouri, population 9,000. It was an idyllic farming community. It's a community that felt isolated from the big city crime, Um, but now it's different. A popular woman has been abducted and is still missing. Angela Hammond was an active, outgoing 20-year-old. Her family had lived in Clinton for three generations. Her fiancé, Rob Schaefer, was a star athlete in high school who looked forward to a career in the military. In January of 1991, Rob gave Angie a diamond ring and promised that he would always take care of her. Aww. April 14, 1991, at around 10 p.m., Angie dropped Rob off at his house after a barbecue. She said she'd phone him a few hours later. At 11.15, Angie called Rob from a payphone in the center of town seven blocks away from his house. Quote, We were talking on the phone, and she mentioned to me about a truck that kept circling around the block, a green pickup truck. That was Rob who said that. Angie remained unconcerned until the truck parked next to the phone booth. Angie described the truck as a late-model pickup truck that had a big fish decal on the back window. Rob was trying to get Angie to describe the guy as much as possible on the phone they blew it off and they started talking about something else because, you know, the guy went to the phone next to theirs and he just seemed like he was overall kind of not really regarding Angie very much, so, you know, they tried to change the subject. That was until Rob heard the scream of Angie over the phone. At that point, Rob immediately booked it downtown to figure out what was going on. Rob saw a pickup truck driving past him and heard someone yell out, "Robbie." Rob threw the car in reverse and did some movie-like fucking twisty spin yeah. in his car and uh, uh
1: the the segment did a great job reenacting this this is very cinematic
0: yeah um
1: this is uh this is probably any boyfriend's uh, or any girlfriend's worst nightmare you know if she ends up you know hearing her her it's her boyfriend scream on the other end of the line it, it's a very blood chilling moment
0: helpless and you, you, you feel yeah. so helpless i mean that's that's the whole thing i mean you can think of almost any other thing that could happen to your girlfriend and, and you have some ability to handle the situation or to help, but in an abduction, it's like, you know, what, what can you do besides just have nightmares, terror? I can't even, uh, you know, I, I just kind of uh, I just kind of went through like a breakup and I don't even really talk about this on Facebook, so I don't know why I'm talking about it now. So my emotions <laughs> are still kind of raw from that, yeah. so I, I, you know, I, I'm just kind of thinking about, like, the this situation kind of, like, hits me more than it probably normally would because, you know, of, of the emotional kind of aspect of everything. But, yeah, that's that's got to be terrifying. Um, so he had thrown his car in reverse, and he was chasing after this, uh, this green truck. Rob pursued the pickup uh, straight through the downtown business dis- district. Rob didn't know... But when he threw his car in reverse, he severely messed up the transmission. Yeah,
1: that was so such a
0: bummer. Really. Yeah. When the truck made a sharp turn, the truck got away and Rob's car finally gave out on him. That's got to be a horrible feeling. Oh, my yes. God. You're like pursuing this guy thinking like, I'm going to kill this mf as soon as I catch up with him. And then you're going to rescue my girlfriend. Yeah. And yeah. then
1: your your car just stops. Just
0: stops oh man oh geez rob did everything he could but he thinks that people blame him quote the beginning's the hardest part because you don't you know you were close enough to get him but you just didn't get the job done you still wake up in the middle of the night wondering where she is or if anyone is still looking for for her you just always wonder
1: well how is it his fault how can anybody really say that he should be to blame for that I mean that's ridiculous to me. Well, if you look at because, what kind of
0: person he is, you know, he was he was star athlete looking to go into the yeah. military. This is one of those like guys, guys probably, you know. So what
1: did they think? Well, he threw the car in reverse,
0: and like he, they were
1: like, oh, he doesn't know how cars work, and that's why it happened. No, I, I, it sounds like it's a car problem. Like I don't think your transmission should go out just because you put the car in well reverse. i
0: mean if you th- if you're driving your car like in a forward kind of momentum and you swing it around and you don't brake properly and all that yeah you just throw yeah, it, okay. yeah you will all definitely right. fuck your transmission up like that so
1: maybe in some instances he but still there's no there's no uh guarantee that he was going to be able to catch up with a guy even if his transmission didn't get
0: it's always, well, I mean, it, well, I mean it's like he says, you, you just always wonder, you know, and, and, and that's, yeah. that's a prison in and of itself, because you got to be thinking all the time, you know, what, what. Well, yeah,
1: I mean, by that instance, I don't, I don't think, especially if you're from the outside looking in, I don't think you should be like, well, what if you did this or what if you did that? No, um,
0: and I don't think anyone would have said that. I think he, he bears that um, burden all on his own, even though he thinks people blame him. Yeah. Um, Maybe so, he's
1: right. Maybe people are blaming him, and that does happen a, a lot of times in these type of tragic situations.
0: Well, very ignorant people who who you know aren't thinking straight. If they whatever, you know, it's like it's like the guy who shot Brandon Lee, you know, last week. You know, anybody who would blame that guy, these are the same kind of idiots who would blame this guy. You know, it's like he yeah. he had nothing to. To do with it, the the perpetrator was the one who should be blamed, not the yeah. night and shining. Uh, you shining know, armor. that's 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 people for you. Human it. nature, yeah. So the news of Angie's disappearance sent shockwaves through Clinton, which again is the name of the city, not the uh, runner-up for president who just lost. Um, Let's <laughs> not go <going> there. <laughs> oh no, I'm not going there. I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying, like I don't want people to think I'm randomly bringing up a Clinton. Um, uh-huh. And there's no tone in my voice in that one way or another, okay? So you don't, take, don't derive any meaning from that, all right? The police and citizens... No comment. Yeah, no comment. The police and citizens launched an extensive air and land search, but there were no sign of Angie or her abductor. Um, quote, the Missouri Highway Patrol did a computer search for all the vehicles that matched the description and model of the car and came up with 1,600 results. Uh, they had to check into that and that make sure that the vehicle matched both the color and the decal on the back window. They didn't end up finding any matches.
1: The decal was one of the things that also stood out to me. It was this kind of innocuous-looking decal, but it was it was also one you don't see very often. Of like this, it looked like it was from the point of view of somebody in a boat, and then there's like a fish it's, it's, like your, it's your typical i mean
0: in the south you see it all the time it's your typical like uh decal of like a bass like jumping out of the water yeah. like f- with like a lure in its mouth on a fishing string or something like that
1: yeah exactly and um, i it it's so innocuous looking it's hard to really imagine it being something that's a, a part of an abduction vehicle like normally when you think of uh, vehicles that people use to abduct people you think of those like vans with no windows or or you know dark windows you can't see
0: man i think people disguise themselves in any way possible for you know yeah. to hide their sick but it's
1: just the 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 segment did a great job just showing the decal and 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 uh, it made the decal itself kind of creepy <laughs> because of the way that it was lit yeah
0: yeah, and, yeah it was all and, dark uh, the, and the music yeah Fishing's supposed to be a fun, peaceful thing, and here it's kind of cast in this rapey light. So, the, uh, Missouri, uh, I already said that, uh, the police based their investigation off Rob's testimony, because that's all they really had to go on, um, but when witness, but when no witnesses came forward to corroborate Rob's statement, Rob became a suspect. Within a week, however, Rob was cleared of any involvement in Angie's disappearance, Two days later, police connected the abduction in Clinton to two other unsolved cases within a 100-mile radius. The first occurred near Max Creek, Missouri, on January 13, 1991. 42-year-old Trudy Darby. Uh, I had a mistype in here, and it's Turdy Darby. <laughs> <laughs> Four, oh, good old,
1: no wondering, Ruth, good old
0: Turdy. Man, that was really shitty of me to do that. But, um, <laughs> 42-year-old Damn. Trudy Darby. Oh, and by the way, with the whole language thing, uh, I, it now says explicit lyrics on our podcast because I went and changed it, so screw you people who complain about the <laughs> language. Uh, <laughs> I, it's marked now. You you have been warned um, before you let Little Billy listen to the podcast. Uh, we use adult Little Billy version. shouldn't
1: be listening to no. the fucking podcast anyway.
0: No, he fucking shouldn't <laughs> be listening to the podcast because, you know, Little Billy doesn't need to be thinking about murders and rapes and... And Yeah, aliens. Aliens. Ghosts. Uh, 42-year-old Trudy Darby was working alone at a convenience store. At 10 p.m., she called her son to report a suspicious man lurking outside the store. Less than 10 minutes later, Trudy's son arrived. Mouthful of marbles, yeah? Trudy's son arrived at the store and found it completely deserted. Two days later, the body of Trudy Darby was found on a riverbank 10 miles from the store. She had been shot twice in the head. And what fucking pointless violence, she man. Been, she had also been raped. Oh, my God. What is wrong? You know, that's one thing. It's one thing to watch these segments and to just kind of be like, damn, you know, that sucks. And for the scene to just go by. But to actually have to type this out for my notes and to talk about it like this, it's just like God, you know, you have to like focus and, and think and, and ruminate on this shit and it's re- just really unfortunate. Yeah. On February twenty eighth, thirty year old Cheryl Ann Kenny was reported missing as well in Nevada or Nevada, Missouri. I think that's how they say it, Nevada, Missouri. Several miles
1: I've never heard Nevada. Yeah. That's that's what they say. I, I think they're just trying to separate themselves from Nevada. Uh, we're not from
0: Nevada. We're from Nevada. I love how you're like, Nevada? I've never heard of that city. And I've heard of all cities in the U.S. <laughs> this is surprising, because <laughs> this is one I haven't heard of. No, I haven't heard of Nevada before. <laughs> and here I thought I was a master on all the names of all the cities. I never was a master of all the names Did of Did you cities. know there's a butt Arizona? It's called Butte, but it's, <laughs> it's spelled B-U. There's a weed Oregon. Oh, man, that's what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> the amendment just passed here in Florida, man. Medical marijuana is legal now. <laughs> it's awesome. Okay. Anyway, um, several miles from Max Creek is where um, Cheryl Ann Kenny was found. She vanished shortly after closing uh, a, an yet another convenience store, which she worked. Uh, Sherry's, or Cheryl's car was found in the store's parking lot. She has not been seen since. A month later... Angela was abducted the person who the story mm. is about so it's kind of like you have these two cases where they're abduction of women and one's found murdered uh, it doesn't I don't think it says if Cheryl Ann Kenny was ever found or not but now you have Angela who is missing a month later so there seems to be a connection sounds um, like there could be they, a serial
1: you know yeah, rapist a murderer they fear almost.
0: they fear that that a serial killer might might be um in west central missouri they hold out little hope that angela is still alive but there have been unconfirmed sightings of angela in canada and other parts of the us there's one final chilling detail after she screamed into the phone rob heard another person on the phone speak all he said was i didn't need to use the phone anyway
1: ah uh. <laughs> uh.
0: <laughs> Before she disappeared, Angie, uh, Angela, I'm calling her Angie like we're, like, really good friends or something. That just gives me goosebumps. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crappy. Before she disappeared, Angela described the man as filthy and bearded. So basically, uh, a hipster abducted her, and, no says, uh, Angela's
1: abductor, uh, this is from the wikia, is a white, old, bearded man. Uh, who wore glasses and drove an older late 60s to early 70s model two-tone Ford pickup with a mural of a fish jumping out of water on the back window. Rumors are he may have been serial killer Kenneth McDuff, who's killing spree spanned from 1966 to 1992, Jeez. but this is unconfirmed.
0: So, uh, Ange- Angela is still missing, uh, or I don't know, you have the wiki in front of you, is she still well, missing?
1: Well, uh, yeah, the, the case is un- still unsolved. Trudy's murder, though, was eventually solved when Jesse Rush, uh, 15, and Marvin Cheney, 29, were convicted of it, but Cheryl and Angela's cases still remain unsolved. Uh, one rumor suggests Angela is murdered and thrown into a well in the old Artisan Park in Clinton, Missouri, close to the site of a very old water ride, but it is unknown if this has been
0: explored. That's a fucking bummer, man. I hate hearing about that.
1: And also, apparently, this case was also featured on, of all things, on the Mary Povitz show.
0: Really? Really? So yeah. there so there was a point before Maury Povich did DNA tests and you're the father, apparently. There there was a time yeah. when that wasn't all his show was. Huh, good to know. Yeah. Cause that's all it is now. I guess they saw the ratings and they're like, Yeah, we're really uh we're really seeing a lot of ratings here with the you know, DNA test results being in and you all are, you are not the
1: baby's daddy. <laughs>
0: God, that show is so crazy! Oh my God! Anyway, I don't even want—I don't even want to lower our podcast even <laughs> talking about crap like that. Um, so that's that case that was requested. I don't re- requested request. <laughs> God, that was requested. I'm not even editing that. Um, that was requested by one of our listeners. I think back in the old YouTube days when you could find these on YouTube before the rebrand. Yeah, branding. I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna work on uh, getting a a uh. Probably a little bit after sometime, uh, sometime after uh, Thanksgiving, I'm gonna try to get a uh, channel up and post the uh,
0: uh, segments on YouTube. So I hope you enjoyed our commentary on that. Uh, If you have any clues, contact the Missouri State Police, and uh, don't write unsolved mysteries because there's a chance that John or Terry will sue you. So (laughs) anyway. That's probably uh, libel or something. I don't know. I probably shouldn't say that. I redact that statement. I'm just joking. Calm down. Okay, so uh, next one we're moving on to is actually uh, Mike chose this one. One of my. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a little story about this next segment. It's it's uh, Alan Mann and it's a ghost story. And um, this is one I did not remember from my childhood. But when my ex girlfriend bought me the Ultimate Collection box set back in like 2008 or 2009, this was one of the only ghost segments. That I still had to look away at, at a certain point or mute at a certain point because there's a scene in this segment that scared me so like that scared me even as an adult even as like a 20 year old at the time or 21 or whatever um, that yeah it it still scared the crap out of me so you know they did yeah. it, that just that's just a testament to how the re- how good the reenactment was for this particular one
1: yeah I uh, I chose this one because it's one I actually do remember seeing when I was a kid. And I I wasn't watching the the stuff that I got online of the box set that I burned onto DVD-Rs for myself. I was watching the segments that were you know that we it it was just immediately things started to click because even when I was watching these other Ghost episodes, I was trying to think of I was trying to like which where's the one with the the light bulb that goes that shoots flames out of it like that's the thing that was sticking in my head and I was like I know there's a I I was thinking I was like there's an Unsolved Mysteries Ghost episode that has that in it. Because I remember that. But then, like, all the other ones i would seen so far, because I'm up to, like, season six, and I haven't seen it yet, so I was thinking, am I getting confused with an episode of, like, Discovery Channel's a haunting or something? Uh, Apparently not, because this is the episode. This is the one with that particular sequence that I really remembered, and a few other things that stuck with me, uh, including that scene uh, that uh, Josh is is very... uh, creeped out by um this is about the alan Mann house uh i, I love how robert stack shows up and he in the, in the beginning and it's there's like this fog in front of the house and he mentions uh, he talks about halloween because that was really perfect yeah. this is kind of like you know it's a perfect uh type of ghost story to talk about on halloween and uh, this occurred in the fall of 1991 around the time of Halloween. Uh, where uh, 19-year-old Alan Mann were, lived with his parents and worked nights. Uh, during the day, he was often home alone, but one day he seemed to encounter a mysterious female spirit. He, he says, I had the afternoon off, and I'd come home, and I guess it was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'd finally gotten some sleep. The figure turned away from the door like it was leaving, and by the time I got up and uh, walked three paces to the door... I don't know what happened. It just turned the corner and disappeared. He said he looked high and low for the mysterious woman, and even though the, do- the doors, bleh, the doors were locked from the inside, she was nowhere to be found. He yeah. told his mother Santa he thought he'd seen a ghost, but she refused to
0: believe him. Yeah, I remember that scene. Uh, it shows him like going to sleep, and, and, and you know. I know it's not uh, mature or uh, tactful to sit here and comment on people's looks, but this is, this is another this is another episode where this guy, Alan, he's kind of rough looking. He's kind of a rough yeah. looking dude. Um, he's, he's got that moon pie face. Definitely got a moon pie face. Definitely on got the a bigger side. moon pie side. face, bo- moon pie body. He's a moon pie body to match, um, <laughs> yet he's somehow married to uh, a hot, he has a hot wife. Um,
1: yeah, especially the reenactment. I like this guy look like I got to be honest when I thought when I saw him I th- I thought the first word that came to my mind was schlub.
0: Yeah, very yeah, he is a schlub. He is very schlubby. That's a good terminology for this guy and and I'm
1: like how did this schlub get such a hottie? I don't.
0: I don't yeah, care. and and honestly we honestly we we need to again redact these statements because not only was it messed up that he was able to get with her uh, she was only 16 when they married. Yeah. Um, so we're technically not yeah. allowed to find her attractive no. anyway. So I no. t- take that back. No,
1: but I'm talking about the actress in the reenactment later on. Like, she was obviously not 16. I'm talking about
0: both of them. I mean, I thought they were both attractive. Yeah. Uh,
1: I, <laughs> I, 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 I thought you were talking about Alan a- and the actress. I was like, oh, no, kind of no, no.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, Alan's sexy. It's a lot of man to keep you warm at night. He's a big, big fluffy man. Uh, no, but, uh, you know, if, anyway, that's besides the point. But, yeah, the dude's asleep in his bed, and, uh, it, you know, again, the only problem I have with Unsolved Mysteries ghost segments is when they do have to use the uh, the, the actual ghosting effect where, you know, they're, yeah. they superimpose... The actor over the scene and and you know, they just do the they remove the opacity so you can see Mm -hmm. through them and boom There's your ghost, you know, it's it's a very common easy effect to do in any editing. Yeah, I I,
1: I, I prefer that over just some completely CGI generated uh, ghost
0: I like the ghost segments the best, where they don't actually use a a figure, or if they do use a figure, it's not a recognizable human figure, like in the uh, Black Hope Curse, the two two entities in the guy's living room. I don't mind
1: that, though, because most apparitions, uh, from what I've read, are distinctly human figures
0: yeah that's true i guess i'd have to see one to really believe it but yeah she was in the doorway and he went to put his glasses on He was like because he like woke he woke he woke up from a nap he was like he made that noise like yeah well he's schlubby (laughs) that's the schlub noise but she was all like alan alan and that just
1: made me think of uh jurassic park three when uh, the scene where the rat uh where alan has a dream and he's on the plane, and he turns around, and there's a raptor, and it goes, Alan!
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yet another movie I haven't seen.
1: I-, I like the movie more than a lot of people do, but I have to admit that scene is really ridiculous.
0: Yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, I remember that scene, and then the ghost lady disappears, and he finds that, you know, all the doors in his house are 19? Locked.
1: Like, th- that guy was supposed to, the actor was supposed to play, like, a 19-year-old. I... I don't know. It's one big (laughs) nineteen-year-old. Then anyway, uh, eventually he married a girl named Linda, uh, who apparently was sixteen at the time. Uh, I guess that's legal.
0: Wherever they were, Florida. Oh, that was in Florida. Yep. Oh, that makes sense. It all makes sense now. Happened in my home state. Now it's all coming together. So
1: shortly, uh, so he married her. Uh, She also moved in with him. Uh, Apparently, he had enough space for her, uh, which is pretty crazy. And shortly after the wedding, (laughs) Sandra was watching TV with her new daughter-in-law, and they both encountered the ghost. I had my little dog, Prince, beside me, and he was on a pillow, she describes it. And I looked down at the end of the couch, and I saw this white, smoky thing. The first thing I thought was fire... And by that time, the dog had gotten up on his feet, and then it just disappeared. And the way they showed it in the reenactment was some kind of uh, vague-looking CG uh, cloud. Yeah, and like that, that—that stuck with me too for some reason when I saw that as a kid, and it still kind of does. I mean, it's that kind of ethereal quality about it. It doesn't really have a form. So I see what you mean. Is like, it, it's it's more eerie to me to see like the shadow stuff or, or the, like just a formless thing. It's still, if I saw an apparition and it was somebody just see-through person I could see clear as day, that'd still scare the shit out of me.
0: Yeah, but I'd have to see that uh, in person because I just know, like, I guess I'm behind the curtain too much with like editing and stuff. I just I just see that and I'm like man, eh, that's just so easily fake. Well,
1: I'm, I, I know a lot about makeup effects and, and how they do special effects on movies and stuff and I, I like I have said I I prefer that approach the old school way like that if you're gonna show an apparition versus doing something that's completely gener- computer generated.
0: Like I said, because I at like least it
1: that I can at least see the other form. It's actually an actress or something that they made see through. So there's yeah. there's actually something physical there. Uh, with CG, it's a it's a computer generated image, and you could tell.
0: I just feel like with the with ghost segments on Unsolved Mysteries, the less they actually show you, the less they reveal, the better. The more noises yeah. and the more uh, foreboding and creepy lighting. and the the more of the of the atmosphere they get right, it the better rather than actually showing the man behind the curtain, you know showing yeah. the actual because when once you well, see it, it's, it's, it's like that
1: uh, the documentary, It's not really a documentary, it's more of a pseudo documentary and it's a shitty movie. Uh, the nightmare which talked about people who had uh, this form of uh, sleep it's like it's like the I forgot the exact name of it it's these people who, who uh, they they go to sleep and they hallucinate uh, while they're asleep there's a special term for it and it's just not coming to me right now damn it. <laughs> But it, it's one of those things where pe- they, they've uh, kind of associated that with some ghost sightings and aliens and stuff like that. It's is this these people who they fall asleep but their eyes are still open and their brain is still technically operating and working, but they're asleep. Hmm.
0: Kind of. You'd almost have to redefine what what the definition of sleep is really it, it, at that point because, I mean. You know, when I think sleep, I think, you know, your body shuts down, you're in restorative recovery, rebuilding mode. And if your eyes are open and you're still doing some kind of functions, to me, that's not. It's it's a. Sleep
1: paralysis. That's what it is.
0: Well, paralysis? How are they moving around if they're paralyzed? They don't move around. Oh, they're just. Their eyes are open and they're.
1: Yeah, it's very horrifying.
0: I can imagine. It'd be like seeing a dead body. You know what segment I do like the CG that they use, like where they or not the CG, but where they do use the like the, per- the see-through person look uh, is the Devil's Backbone. That's a really good ghost segment yeah. where I don't mind, the because it has a Native American who's see-through, and I thought that was a really chill. It's uh-huh. actually a really scary, that's a pretty chilling uh, ghost segment in and of itself. We'll have to talk about that yeah.
1: sometime. Yeah, so anyway, uh, so you see this amorphous, formless thing, and uh, it's a decent effect. So uh, even though Linda hadn't seen the apparition, uh, she was convinced that the house was haunted. Determined to get the scoop, she enlisted a friend with a Ouija board, and with Alan, they obtained the name Kramer. But no one knew who that was. I just imagine Kramer from. Slam- I'm Cosmo <laughs> Kramer, the ass man. <laughs> oh, you can imagine that—just Kramer's ghost, <laughs>
0: <laughs> just like like sliding through the front door, like Alan. You got any Tupperware I can borrow? I'm making a casserole.
1: <laughs> that would be one annoying ghost. Kramer! Uh, Alan's father, David Mann, however, remained a skeptic until one day and uh, when he suddenly produced another name. I stopped right in the middle of the hall, he says, and I caught the smell again because they've been sav- smelling this like... It smelled like death. Like rotting flesh or something. So, and he says, I didn't have any explanation for, and it's like you get an idea, a little voice inside your head, like your conscience or whatever it is, and this little voice that you listen to, it said, this is Isabella. On another night, Alan described Linda suddenly attacking him in their bedroom, and this is where it gets really, this is the moment Josh is talking about, I'll let him uh, take the floor here.
0: So they have this scene in this segment where they're in the bedroom and they're watching TV and it's Alan and his, I guess, fiancé or wife or whatever and they're watching TV. His wife. His wife. Um, creeper. <clears throat> um, even though I said she was attractive. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so there's a scene in there and, and I don't know why exactly it frightened me. I guess it because it just came out of nowhere and this is what I'm talking about where like things things are more frightening to me when, whenever it's na- as as natural or as practical of an effect as it as it can be, all of a sudden the can. Um apparently his wife just gets possessed and like the camera pa- like pans into her face like very quickly, like almost unexpectedly, like they're just sitting in bed. And all of a sudden she just starts going, <laughs> and she just starts laughing, this really evil laugh and like her eyes get really big. And like, and just the look on her face is very creepy to me. Yeah. And they like kind of zoom is. in on her face and like, I don't know. At that moment, I, I just, I kind of had to look away and I was like, dude, what is this? This is kind of weird. Like, I don't know why I, this is hitting me the way it is, but this is. It is. It's me very,
1: out. I mean, it's just, you know, it's like.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a very
1: kind of creepy, definitely very creepy and, laugh. And then
0: apparently, she gets, like, this superhuman strength and, like, starts trying to, like, pin Alan down to the bed or whatever. And, like.
1: That's when it, like, really, like, the creepy laugh thing, like, that's creepy but i've seen a lot of horror films so it, it it was still eerie and weird but it wasn't like oh i wasn't like really freaked out by that but when she started showing superhuman strength then i was like oh okay like this is really bad what well, i mean like this is this isn't just like some someone's having a mental breakdown or something like this is she's yeah possessed.
0: true well the fa- the facial expression she made creeped me out the most I'm, yeah that I'm, that is creepy. I'm big on like facial expressions, you know, in in your face, and, and that 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 to me can be funny, scary. She had this
1: really just disturbing
0: grin on her face. Yeah, it was ghoulish. Um, so she was like pinning him down and like laughing and being crazy, and uh, you know, I think most guys would be like, hey, hey, but uh, he was he was pretty freaked out by it. I think I would be too, because you know, obviously it's a different person in in the body at that point. And, um, you know, he's like, I'm a strong guy, you know, and she's really little. And, and I wasn't able to, I wasn't able to get her off me. And then the, the parents like heard all the hubbub and, yeah. uh, came into the room and, and they had to kind of like peel her off of him. Cause he was like, stop, you know, like, yeah, cut it
1: out. So, so. so according to him, yeah, he, this is his, uh, his recollection of it. He said, all of a sudden she just snapped and she got this weird look and then she pretty much attacked me and she was laughing. She had some weird laugh I had never heard. It didn't even sound like her. She had this squeaky little giggle, and this was almost an evil laugh. It wasn't almost an evil laugh. It was an evil laugh. I tried to get away, and it made her get more violent, and she started putting more force on my arms. So I pushed against her, and I slammed her against the wall three times, and she released me. She put her head on my shoulder again and started talking, I picked up the conversation exactly where she left off before she snapped. Linda has no memories of the incident. She says, "That's not me. I don't have an evil laugh. I don't do the things that he says I do. It's just not my type. I'm not that type of person. I just don't remember."
0: Uh, if I felt her wording. I mean, I know she was kind of on the spot in that interview, but I thought I thought that was kind of a weird statement. She's like, she's like, "That's not like I'm not that type. You know, I'm not that type of person." Well, what type of person? The one who laughs evilly and gets superhuman strength and pins people? I don't think there's a yeah. lot of people who are that type, lady.
1: <laughs> I, I know, but I didn't mind it because, you know, it's
0: just. I just, I, I don't might know. She, she, she. Reaction,
1: too. She, I'd be like, that's not me. I, I, I'm I not like that at all.
0: Yeah, she was kind of hicky, like a little on the hick side. So she's like, that's not my type. That's I don't know. That's not my type. I'm not,
1: that, I'm not that type of person. I don't I say those don't things,
0: and I don't do that kind of stuff that he was saying that I do. So I just don't know. And he's so sexy, y'all. Let me tell you, this Allen man, he is a man. He's all the man I need. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, shit. yeah, that, that, that whole incident happens. And then what happens, Mike?
1: So, realizing the ghost had turned from random to dangerous, David consulted a spiritualist who told them to pour salt all around the house to, and keep bags of it under their beds and even a homegrown exorcism. I love uh, Robert Stack's uh, narration here, because he he mentions that, oh, a bunch of snails uh, made a sacrifice that day, or something like that, I was just like...
0: Yeah, the the salt didn't seem to stave off anything, except for maybe a couple of snails, or something like that, (laughs) like, I just think it's cute, like, they'll mention these kind of details every now and then, and I can just imagine the writers in the writer's room being like, let's see what we can get Robert Stack to say, you know, or let's see what kind of funny thing we can throw in there, and yeah i thought that uh, they'll throw in those cute little things every now and then i always appreciate those a lot yeah
1: i don't appreciate it in terrible segments though like the aphrodisiac segment. oh thing. yeah
0: yeah which we 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 are gonna we are gonna do that at some point we're gonna uh do a uh worst unsolved mystery segments episode. yeah if you
1: guys have any suggestions for that you know what you think are some of the worst ones go ahead and uh you know talk about them uh Post some comments on our Facebook or on Patreon.
0: Yeah, just to show that we're not completely biased towards a show and that we see that it definitely has its faults as well. But, you know, you, you criticize the ones that you love sometimes. Exactly. So, anyway, uh,
1: this didn't work. The exorcism didn't work either. Blessing the house didn't do anything. Uh, almost everyone in the family also suffered from bad headaches. Uh, they began hearing a whole mass of voices... Dull and dull, and then uh, one with muttering, with one woman's voice over the top of them. But they could not distinguish anything that they were saying. Two months later, a visit from a local minister, uh, and after a visit from the local minister, the haunting appeared to stop, but David and Sandra decided they wanted to move. As they were packing, Linda was cursing, swearing at the ghost, uh, when a light bulb exploded in a nearby unplugged lamp. I love that scene because that's the one scene that like burned itself in my memory because it, it was a great effect. Uh, it, it reminded me of something you might see in like an Amityville horror movie, and there's been way too many of those films. I've seen there's like over ten of them or something, and that's not counting the the uh, the unrelated offs. you know, like the the offs uh, like the Amityville Asylum or whatever. Oh God.
0: Yeah, there's so many of those Amityville movies. I've actually seen one of them. That's how you know when there's a lot of a certain movie is when Josh has seen it.
1: Did you see the first one
0: or no? I saw the the remake. I saw the remake in like what 2000 or 99
1: or. We have Ryan Reynolds trying to be scary, which is honestly kind of funny. Ryan Reynolds trying to be serious and and uh, intimidating.
0: I just remember seeing that at like a a a party in sixth grade or seventh grade. I was in. (laughs) Like we were all watching it and I remember there was a scene there was a scene where one, the, the guy who lived there was carrying like a bunch of uh like logs somewhere and I remember Brian the,
1: Reynolds.
0: Yeah, and I remember Van my,
1: Wilder himself in Deadpool. Yeah, in and Deadpool.
0: I, I remember at that point at the party I said, He's got wood and everybody laughed and got a big laugh. That's what I that's the biggest thing I remember about that movie is that I made a joke at one point at this party and a lot of people laughed at it and that was like, All right, high point for me. See you guys later. <laughs> that's my time.
1: That was such a weird movie I think you watch at a party it's when
0: in 6th grade. I think it might have been like a Halloween cuz this this girl Reddit um, R. I mean Oh dude, this girl whose parents is ho- whose house we went to the, her her parents did not give a shit. Like I mean, uh, they they you know, they they stopped at pretty much underage drinking, but I feel like even if we had snuck in some alcohol and got drunk, I feel like they wouldn't have cared. But yeah, they they were very like liberal with how they i mean not politically but they were you know very open as to like what they let their daughter like do and watch and and all that Mm -hmm. but her parties like for that i guess for that reason were kind of a the hot thing to go to in sixth grade or whenever it was yeah
1: sounds like it so in the in the scene in the in the uh segment when the light bulb explodes, uh, it's probably a very simple effect. But the way that they set it up, it it's practical. It's not a CGI effect, so it's 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 real fire shooting out of the light bulb, and it's very effective. And uh, I love what she says later. She's like, "I offended the ghost." <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's why I wanted to send one last message to me before I left. Uh. So if it was like a really bad movie, it would have like they would have looped over something over over the audio. So the light bulb would have exploded and then the ghost would have been like, fuck
0: you, bitch. It, to me, it looked like they took a blowtorch and they, they, they lined it up with the camera to where it was hidden right behind the light and you couldn't see the blowtorch. But if you look at the base of the light.
1: Yeah, you probably
0: could. It, it doesn't really look like the flame is coming right out of the lamp. It looks like it's coming. I, did,
1: I, did, I didn't look that deeply into oh, it. Oh, I did.
0: I did. Because I thought that myself. I thought, oh, that's a unique effect. And then I'm like looking at the base or the, the top of the lamp and the base of the flame and I'm like, these aren't exactly lining up yeah but I, I i like it that it's practical mike i demand perfection in my effects okay so anytime it's not perfect i'm taking the piss out of it because you know i can do better no i'm just joking i don't know why i'm taking the piss out of it uh, i just I, I just thought i'd point that out as a side note like you to me i felt like you could i mean it is a great effect but you i felt like that's you know probably how they yeah. achieved that effect or whatever. so uh
1: apparently uh there are no known records for an isabella kramer in the house or the neighborhood to date, no one has answered about who or what haunted the man family. Now, there was also an investigation uh, that was also featured in the segment. So it's kind of like a two-part sort of thing. You have the reenactment, and then there's like an investigation that goes on. Uh, the Center for Paranormal Studies in Silver Springs, Florida, eventually researched the man house. Armed with a truckload of electronic equipment, the center's three founders showed up there. Andrew Nichols was one of the parapsychologists on location, and he described it as having an oppressive ambience to it, almost a depressive type of feeling. His team also began to experience headaches, and according to him, Linda and Alan's old bedroom received the highest amount of paranormal activity, and they began taking Polaroid photographs, one during and one after a flux in paranormal activity, which when he's using that, it just reminds me of those horrible movies, Paranormal Activity, which I hate this, I, I like to call them Paranormal Fucktivity. <laughs> Uh, So, and then they began taking Polaroid photographs, one during and one after Flux and Paranormal Activity. The second photograph is normal, but Andrew noticed something strange in the first one. And uh, there was a vague humanoid shape in the forefront of the picture. It may be a reflection of some unusual environmental effect, but it also may be a strange artifact of the human psyche. Or, it may be a contact with a dimension of existence
0: that's beyond. Our imagination. Now, a few things here. A, I'm surprised they didn't get Dr. William Rollin on yeah. this action because, I mean, he's just anywhere a ghost turns up. Unsolved Mysteries gets William Rollin there. Um, two, um, from the segment, they actually described the smell. They said that it was almost like a diesel or gasoline smell that you could smell in there. Um, I guess uh, along with the death smell. Um, yeah. Three, the dad, uh, I always remember how the dad, uh, I think my mom was watching that segment with me one time and the dad's like, oh, I just slubbed it off because I just didn't want to deal with it and I just didn't want to, you know, didn't want to mess with it and just didn't want to think about it. And when my mom saw the guy say that, she's like, yeah, that's a typical northern attitude towards things. (laughs) Um, I remember her saying that I guess this guy had a very northern uh, attitude about this ghost yeah
1: I I remember that as well but I also remember just the slubby guy the slubby guy and and his reactions to things too
0: oh wait no the actual verbatim thing he said is I just sloughed it off and I remember that because I'm like oh it's kind of a weird like descriptor but anyway um, I'm trying to think of any other recollections I have about this segment um yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. It was it was good. It was kind of a yeah. short, it was a shorter one. Um, it, it was it, it was one that like literally actually kind of frightened me because that that reenactment came out of nowhere, where the chick just started laughing menacingly and the grimace on her face and all that. It was just it was, it was disturbing. Um, I remember how large and un, unappealing uh, physically that uh, the Alan man was, and then wondering how uh, he ended up with. That girl... He looks
1: like uh, if Mario ate uh, far too many uh, mushrooms. He, he does. ate too many mushrooms.
0: Yes, he does have a very Mario-esque look to him. He's very rotund. Um, and then I also remember how he's 19 and she's 16. And A, that's probably <laughs> illegal. And B, like as a 19-year-old uh, you know, committing the rest of your life to somebody... Uh, I mean, I'm, stranger things have happened, but... As a 16 year old female, like, what? why would you get married? What I mean, aren't, didn't you just learn how to drive? And aren't you? Supposed Did you to... get pregnant? I mean, that's the one, thing yeah, perhaps that I'm wondering. It's in my state, I know that's not legal. Like, if it was in another state, I'd be like, oh, well, that's 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 that might be legal. It's not legal, it's not legal in Florida, maybe it was
1: legal at the time, I don't
0: know, in the 90s, I don't know, maybe, but. <sighs> But, I mean, she's old. She's of age now, obviously, you know, so, you know, whatever. But at the time, you know, that's... that's...
1: It, it is bizarre. It is weird.
0: But, yeah, that's that case. Um, I like talking about stuff that's not murder for once. Because uh, the last yeah. podcast was just last murder. Last
1: podcast was just murder. And it bums Straight me out, murder. dude.
0: Like, it, it ta- just talking about it and thinking about it bums me out. So it's, it's, it's fun to talk about non...
1: Yeah, I, I get burned out. Like, sometimes I love to watch reruns of uh, forensic files but like after a certain amount of time after a certain
0: amount of episodes it's like uh eh, no i i'm good well i got burned out on the investigation discovery channel a- as a whole um yeah a few years ago. a lot like
1: you know watching forensic files and stuff like that yeah
0: yeah like every show was just uh, you know i think my favorite shows on there were um uh
1: I didn't. I should have gotten away with it, or no, something. That's a good show.
0: I like. I like that one. Uh, date, that's pretty. Dateline. Dateline was my favorite show on there. Dateline NBC. <laughs> well, they have date. They had Dateline on many different networks, but this was Dateline on Investigation Discovery. Um, they even had Dateline on the Oprah Winfrey Network. So it was like Dateline on OWN. Um, yeah. But yeah, I,
1: I like the ones on ID that were you know not always about the murder stuff you know about the cases like the people who were just like like the the, there was like one that was like about priests or whatever that got that were like doing crimes or the or the people
0: that were supposed to protect the law and they were doing crimes um that reminds me because they had keith morris the real skinny old guy like he looks like he's like 90 but he has that real kind of like uh just that real creepy uncle kind of voice. Like he 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 did a lot of the voiceovers and interviews for maybe, Dennis, should, like,
1: maybe should have him yeah, uh, but, like, dude, do
0: the new unsolved mysteries. Yeah, dude, they had so many better choices than Dennis Farina. Oh my god, like Keith Morris uh has an amazing voice and presence about him, and he would almost like relish in these murders when he would narrate. He'd be like, And then Jenny's uncle was interviewed and what he had to say about the murder weapon wasn't so happy, and then they—it's like he's—he's—he's he's, he's narrating in such a cartoony way, and it's like about a murder, and he like—it's just like God, Keith, can you can you be a little bit more, can you be a little bit more stoic about this? Someone died, you know. I—I I remember one case they did on that on Dateline that I loved. That I would love to download and talk about. I mean, uh, procure somehow through a legal way and talk about. Um, it was one about uh, these this this shared driveway. Maybe some of our listeners know what I'm talking about it's this shared driveway between um Bert, like Love Song or Bird Song, that was the last name of this one couple. They were a hippie couple. And then uh, they it was this uh, lawyer, serious hard-ass guy who's this old man and they shared this like kind of this abutment that like led to both of their driveways and um, yeah, they ended up getting into this big dispute, and it was a lo- it's a long story. But anyway, um, the the old lawyer guy who had a completely clean record and everything ended up shooting and killing both the uh, other cu- the couple that lived next door over this driveway situation. It was crazy. And these are two well-to-do people up in the like I think it was the Hollywood Hills or the Hills or something having to do with California. But uh, that was a great one. Mm. I remember. But anyway. Um, F-
1: time I for- think the dog likes it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not editing that out. That's my dog. Well, it's not my dog. It's my parents' dog, and mm. it, it is an idiot. Um, it <laughs> runs off of instinct and barks at any and everything. It has no intelligence in its brain. I've looked. I've looked deep into the- <laughs> its dead eyes, and I've seen no signs of intelligence. It's kind of got, like, the shark eyes or, any- or something like that. It's, like, yellow and, like, very black. Oh, so...
1: He had the he had the blackest eyes like a doll's
0: eyes <laughs> pretty much. All right, so our final case of this episode is missing time. Now this has been a long time coming that I talk about this segment because um, allagash abductions is my favorite UFO segment of all time. This is comes in second place. I mean that's just how it is. Uh, I love this segment. Um, I love the reenactment. I love everything about this segment. Um, everything was perfect um, as far as uh, UFO or strange legends or anything like that. It, this was just this was my you know. I like robot. it, but
1: I, I have to be honest. I'm not in love with it as much as you are because the missing time thing. It's interesting, but it didn't really show a lot of what what happens is just a lot of
0: yeah but that's a thing it's what they it's it's what they didn't show you know like it, you have yeah
1: to, I, I know but yeah, I, i'll say well, i'll take you know the al yeah. abductions or some of the other ufo segments over this one but it's still a good one though because it is a very interesting uh thing is the whole uh topic and aspect of missing
0: time yeah well you know what else is interesting your face <laughs> It is interesting, actually. Oh, you flipped it around on me. That was supposed to really hurt you. Okay, so, missing time. Initiate. Imagine for a moment that you go to the corner store for a quick errand. When you return home, you find that what should have taken ten minutes lasted three hours. What's more, you have no memory of it at all. Or as Robert Stack likes to say, at all. He, he would do this. Whenever whenever the phrase at all would come in, he'd say at all. Uh, he'd like merge those two together. Anyway, just throwing that out there. Uh, we're dealing with a deeply disturbing experience of missing time. And we're going to talk about a few people's stories here. Uh, the first story that they focus on is um, Bob Matthews. The story begins simply enough. On October 1st, 1966, in the Cape Cod town of North Trudeau, is what he sounds like he's saying... Trudeau, like Kevin Trudeau, Fucking charlatan. Um, first class airman Bob Matthews was the only person to get off the bus. Matthews was reporting for his first tour of duty. He noticed that the area that he was dropped off was deserted. Matthews was originally from Philadelphia. Although he didn't know it at the time, his assignment in Cape Cod would be a prelude to the Vietnam War. Bob Matthews was dropped off in front of what I am can only tell is Deutschers market is what they sound it sounds like Deutschers market uh which is pretty much a convenience store now you got to remember this was the 60s so the convenience stores didn't look like they do now this looked more like um just like a general store like you'd see like in the old west or whatever what have you um but yeah it was kind of like a convenience store thing he got off the bus and he phoned the base to let them know that he was there The officer that he had talked to informed him that a truck would be coming to pick him up. So far, so good, right? Nothing weird happening so far. After Matthews got off the phone, he looked up in the sky and noticed some bizarre light formations. He then felt fear rush over him, and then he called the base again. Now, you got to imagine, in his mind, he called the base the first time to tell him that he was there, they said, we're sending a truck for you. He says, okay. He puts the phone down. He steps away from the phone, and he looks up into the sky, sees this light, gets freaked out, and then he goes to call the base again. This is one single sequence of events in his mind. When Matthews calls the base again to tell him about the lights that he just saw, the base asked him where he had been, and he said, I've been waiting in front of Dutcher's the whole time, and the base said that they had already sent a truck down there, and he was nowhere to be seen. To which bob replied i've been here the whole time and no one's been here the air force told bob matthews that they had sent up him they had sent a pickup truck for him at around 8 50 p.m just five minutes after his phone call the driver claimed that matthews was nowhere in sight nearly one hour later at 9:45, the air force post received bob matthews second phone call Yet in Matthews' mind, the time frame had been one continuous event, like I described earlier. When brought back to the base, Matthews was questioned by military officials in civilian clothing. They wanted to know where he had been for that one hour period. Matthews stuck to his story and said he was in front of the store the whole time. They kept asking about the lights, like what kind of aircraft did you see and what what did it do? Bob thought this was all part of what they did to new recruits as some kind of a hazing ritual. Um, at this point in the segment, Bud Hopkins is interviewed, and he's kind of a key interview in this uh, segment in general. Um, but
1: he did a whole uh, book about uh, Missing Time, I believe. Yeah. And he's also written a few other books about uh, the uh, UFO phenomenon and, and alien abductions and things like that as well.
0: He's a famous UFO researcher, and as you said, he wrote several books on Missing Time. Um, Hop- Hopkins is considered a UFO expert, and... Um, and he's basically just going on to talk about in most cases of missing time, UFO sightings go together in conjunction with missing time cases. Um, I think he wrote
1: the uh, intru—I think it's called yeah. Intruders. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's actually a made-for-cable uh, adaptation of that. That was actually a TV movie, like a little kind of mini-series. Oh, okay. Uh, Richard, Kren- I think was—I think it was was it Richard Krenner or was it Roy Scheider? It was one of those that was in it i have it i have it like on a on a screener copy which i find is i always find that ironic that i own screener copies which whenever you play a screener copy it says there's a disclaimer in the beginning like this is for this is for rental you know this is not for home use like if you bought this you know you, you shouldn't be having this or something and they word it better than that but the whole thing is like this is for screening purposes only not for resale and, and that's like, you know, well, I have it. So
0: this well, screeners is, are just for, like, people reviewing the movie or doing write-ups before the movie comes out, to my knowledge, well, also, right?
1: all Well, not necessarily. There's a lot of screener copies that actually get sent out to uh, rental places back in the day. They, they were sent them and, uh, in order to, you know, maybe convince the uh, distrib- the retailers, like Blockbuster or some of these other rental places, to actually buy these tapes. And and put them in their store. Um, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Hmm. And they have these ads in front of them, like, oh, if you buy this certain amount, you can get a certain one free, uh, this another tape free, or you can get these other prizes or these other deals or these other things. So and, they're
0: basically promo discs, you know, like that. VHS, yeah, promo tapes. Oh, promo. Ta- oh, my bad. Yeah, tape. Oh, that's God, That's old, They also old. had
1: they also had screeners on DVD later, uh, but that kind of stopped after a certain amount of time uh but now a lot of screeners is is for like review purposes or for like oscar season that's why i see a lot of movies that are technically not in theaters or still in theaters that are like oscar potential you know potential oscar winners like they get leaked on the internet um and uh, But, yeah, the screener tapes I always thought were fun because they have this whole sort of thing in the beginning. And they're, and tapes used to be crazy expensive, like
0: 89 95 So at the time Hopkins' book came out, those books that I was talking about that he wrote, um, Intruders Struders. and the Missing Time one, um, at, that, at that time Bob Matthews, the person at the beginning of this story, was being tormented by a secret that he had been wrestling with for years. Quote, When I was a child, maybe five or six, I just happened to wake up one night and I looked to my right in my bedroom and there was this figure standing there, a small figure with a green glow to it. And I sat up in my bed and I tried to scream and nothing had come out of my mouth. I thought I had lost my hearing. I thought I had lost my voice. Next thing I knew, everything was black again and I was laying down in bed and this thing, this ghost as I thought it was as a kid, came over and sat down on my bed and pulled up my pajama top and, uh, I don't know what it did to my chest, but I knew it was doing something to my chest, you know? I told my mom there was a ghost in my room, and she assured me that I was only having nightmares, but I went through my whole life wondering if I was crazy or if this really happened. I was on vacation and I was looking for something to read when I saw this book with this creature on it. And he's and at, at this point in the reenactment, they show him picking up in a store a copy of Bud Hopkins Intruders, which does have a gray on the cover. And I thought... That was like an advertisement for the book. Probably. <laughs> and, and, he, and and I thought, this, this is a creature that was in my room. I read through the book and it was like someone had stepped into my head and took my innermost fears and put them in a book. It brought me to tears, you know? I, I couldn't believe this was mm-hmm. actually happening to someone else. End quote. Now, before you go off saying, like, how, you know, he this guy picks up a book in a convenience store, and it has, a, a, like, an alien on it, and he's like, that's what was in my room. And you're like, how did this guy not have any reference point for aliens before this? So, yeah, I remember, this was, this is 1966, maybe, yeah. I like, think, later on, um, you know, as he's going on vacation, maybe it, it's a few years later. I don't,
1: later. Know if I, I don't did that book come out in 1966? I don't I don't remember that book. Did it come out that Well, the incident
0: early? The incident that happened to him happened in 1966. And I think they flashed forward a few years. Like, oh, okay, because I was like, I,
1: I think that book came out like in the 70s sometime at the latest. Yeah, so. Now, or the 80s. Okay, I think it's an so
0: 80s book. Point probably. being that this was in the 70s at some point when when pop culture was not saturated with all things UFOs and aliens like we are now. Um, yes, you know, you may not see UFOs and alien talk on the news or hear it on the radio all the time, but there is a huge, um, a community and, and saturation of UFO and alien stuff in pop culture, whether it be in our movies and our TV shows, you know, everybody knows about aliens at this point and and there's a working knowledge of what it is and what they are and kind of what the story is with it and even even kids have a working knowledge of kind of like what what it's all about at that time there was none of that there was no saturation of this anywhere so for him to have this vision or this sighting in his room and then he picks up a book and, and it has this same thing on it. I mean, yeah, I would be—that'd be like a weight. Uh, and that to me, that adds to the authenticity of this guy's story. Yeah, because he is describing this thing and doesn't, you know, there's no point of reference for him at this mm-hmm. time in the '70s. It's not it, like there.
1: I don't think the book came out in the '70s though. Missing Time: A Document Study of UFO Abductions came out in 1981. Intruders to Incredible Visitations at Copley Wood Woods came out in 1987. So in 81, there were a decent amount of films at the time that had dealt with extraterrestrials. Uh, For instance, you know, not really... Alien, I don't know if it's a good example, but with Grace, for instance, *Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out in 1977.
0: Damn, it came out that long ago? Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Well, I don't know. I still stick to the fact that that it, it, you know you think about the '90s where there really was a huge proliferation of UFO sightings, and you had, you know you even had shows like X Files that that came as, yeah. as a direct result of all the sightings. And well, also p-
1: the internet wasn't around, so yeah. you didn't
0: have that either.
1: And a lot of people uh, don't but- realize
0: that about the show X Files. That show came out came about uh, uh, as a result of all the sightings that were being seen in the '90s at the time. That's kind of what. Bred the popularity of that show because well
1: also I, it's just a great show period uh, at least for the first uh, few seasons or so I couldn't get into um, it <laughs> I don't have I don't I don't think it's a bad show their own. Uh, really it's not the first of its kind because there it doesn't just deal with aliens X Files does it with other stuff as well uh, it there's a show called Cold uh, Chat the Night Stalker which was a 70's show there's two TV movies. There was one called Kolchak the Night Stalker uh, with Darren McGavin who, I, I don't know, have you seen a, a Christmas Story? Have you seen that film before? Yes. Uh, Darren McGavin played the father, you know, the one who loved that lamp, you know, yeah, the, with uh-huh. the leg, the leg lamp, you know, you know Yeah, uh, that guy. Well, he played uh, Kolchak. He was this investigative reporter named Karl Kolchak. And uh, in the 70s there was these popular TV movies, Kolchak the Night Stalker and Kolchak... Uh, the Night Strangler. Now, the Night Night Stalker was there. It was about a vampire. It was about this reporter, you know, going around discovering, you know, that there's a vampire in the city. Uh, and then there there was a show that happened, which sadly didn't last very long, like only one season. But he encountered a lot of different things. There was a reporter investigating uh, all different types of stuff, uh, uh, cryptozoological type of things, just like the X Files would do later in the '90s. Oh, okay. Um, so. And ironically enough, Night Stalker also had like a reboot or something in the two thousands, but it wasn't nearly as good. But anyway, um, what I was trying when I thought of this story, it, it reminded me of the sleep paralysis thing again, because a lot of people who experience sleep sleep paralysis experience the same sort of thing where they they they're paralyzed, they feel like they can't breathe, and they see these things, and, and that's what it kind of reminded me of. So part of me is wondering whether or not. What he experienced when he was a kid was sleep paralysis
0: or whether or not it was, you know, actually an encounter with some alien being. Yeah, I mean, the, the childhood thing is up for grabs, but the, the missing time thing that happened to him uh, well, later on. that That's that's the
1: main that's the main thing. Yeah. The childhood thing that might those might be two,
0: They might be connected, but then again, they might not. So, Bob Matthews met up with Bud Hopkins, and he put Matthews under hypnosis. At the time, Bob Matthews began to recollect the details of what happened that night in front of Dutcher's Market. Hopkins explains how Bob Matthews' missing time case is a good case because there's an indirect witness to Bob's disappearance, the guy who was supposed to pick him up from the military. Mm-hmm. That makes it a better case if, to add validity. Um, Matthews goes on, as he's under hypnosis, to describe you know, what happened what actually happened in that time that he was missing. He says he observed two or three lights that hovered. The red light came so fast, if he had blinked his eye, he would have missed it. Momentarily uh, hovers in the parking lot, this craft, and then some light coming from a crack, like a ramp, comes down, and then this ramp comes down. And then Matthews, it's it's got him in the actual parking lot of this actual market where this happened for the segment at this point. And Matthews points to the specific spot where the ramp came down. He says he walked up the ramp and looked inside and saw four beings sitting on the left and two sitting on the right. And um, the place reminded Matthews of a doctor's office. He said it was very clinical. It was very clean. He remembered sitting down on a bench and his shirt and shoes were off. They examined his chest and the two beings were having some kind of a discussion between themselves. Um, Bud Hopkins, because they cut back to him, he then starts talking about how these abductions are very similar. Um, the figures are little, between three to five feet tall, slender, very large craniums, eyes are very black, mouth is just a slit. Um, it, it very much harkened back to the Allagash Abductions case. Um, these cases are all very similar, which again, adds to me, adds to the validity. Um, then, well,
1: yeah, in the Allagash Abductions case, they, they experience missing time as well.
0: Right, exactly, so, exactly.
1: Uh, missing time, to me, makes sense in a scientific way as well, because... Uh, you know, if these aliens are abducting people and they're taking them who knows how far out of our uh, galaxy, uh, time is probably going to go by a lot faster.
0: Or they uh, just—they ha- can just take their time diddling the person and they, they can just do it at their leisure because the person's under control. Yeah, there's that too. Exactly. So then the segment cuts to um, a support group of people who have gone through abductions, and it focuses on this lady named Christina Florence in particular, who is hot. Um, she's very attractive. Um, it says uh, the Mojave Desert, 1974. Christina Florence was 17 years old as her family was crossing to Barstow. Their car was their car had overheated, and their mother pulled off to the side of the road. The mom left to go get water, quote, where she was going I don't know, but she said stay in the car. My sister got out of the car and I heard her run around the back and she said, oh my god, come out here quick. And the next thing I remembered consciously was that we were laying on this blanket in this park as if we had taken a nap. And then the next thing I remember were the three of us just driving like hell. We never talked about it till my sister just called me up the other day and we started talking about it further and we realized that we both had this missing time experience.
1: Yeah, I remember that it was just so surreal.
0: Yeah, and 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 she knew Bud, and so I contacted Bud. I wasn't interested in UFOs. I wasn't interested in meeting some guy who did UFO research, but she did eventually go under hypnosis. Now, I think that those chain of memories is, is the most bizarre thing. They go behind the sisters. I just think about this myself. If I was in this position, I'm in this car with my brother. My brother gets out of the car. I'm a little kid, so it's a lot easier to freak me out. He goes, oh, my God, look at this. And then I just go out. And and the segment was so scary how they did it because, again, it's what they didn't show. They did not show a CGI spacecraft. Exactly. They didn't show anything. They just showed the girl getting out of the car, putting her hand over her eyes to shield the sun. And then it just does this white washout thing. And then in the next scene, they're laying on this blanket uh, in this park it was like something out of the twilight zone yeah and then the very next scene it shows the car just hauling ass like like almost as if something happened and they just were trying to get the fuck out of there but nobody remembers what it's a very creepy chain of events how she remembered it yeah. like that um quoting her now under hypnosis i started having this picture that my sister is getting out of the car And I got out of the car and I looked up and there was something above the car and I was so scared I didn't know what it was so I ran back to the car and she ran back and she crunched herself under the dashboard and I was trying to start the car and it wouldn't start. The next memory I had was being on a table and there were people around. There was this screen about as large as a big screen television but it was paper thin and it wasn't attached to anything and I could see three dimensional images of my skull and my whole body and it was just this huge spherical room that just that was just covered in dials and I felt like they put these rubber pants on me or something and they had left the room and I was asking for my sister and somebody communicated to me and I'm assuming this is all telepathic communication they communicated yeah. to me that she was okay then all the dials in the room started to spin and then before we knew it we were back on the blanket in the park hmm. she says you know I live a perfectly normal life I'm not crazy there's definitely something going on, and what it is, I, I don't know. I could be having a dream, and uh, maybe everybody else is having the same dream, referring to all the people in her support group, but I know I'm not yeah, lying. Yeah, that's
1: that's that's pretty, I don't know, that's not very likely that everyone's going to have the exact same, especially her and her you know, friends that were there, her family members that were there with, them, with her. I mean, uh, they haven't come forward to try to go to the group, but they probably did have the same experience.
0: So then it cuts to Hopkins, and he's like, the question is raised, why are the abductors here? Uh, Bud Hopkins postulates that ultimately is for reproductive purposes. Sperm and ova samples are usually collected in these abductions. The whole central focus of the abduction tends to center around some kind of genetic experiment. And then it shows um, the lady, who is a uh, psychologist who uh, takes on a lot of these patients who have gone through this experience, and she's saying... um, there's an incredibly there's incredibly high incidences of gynecological and physiological history of symptoms that just are just do not appear in the rest of the population with these victims who have been abducted. She says, every time I meet one of these people in, in their history, there is almost always ovarian cancer at a very young age, ovarian cysts that burst in the ovary was removed, or some kind of strange thing with twisted fallopian tubes, all kinds of weird but bizarre things that just don't happen. Then it's mm. going back to quoting Christina Florence again. She says, quote, a lot of us have had miscarriages after three months of pregnancy. We've had false pregnancies. Ah, uh, there were abortions that were done where there was nothing actually found. Now it's that—that's fucking creepy right there. Yes,
1: yes, that An is very creepy. An abortion where
0: nothing was found. What is that all about? That's like it—it it, the, literally the alien injected them with some kind of a spermological sample of some kind. I don't know if spermological is a word. Could have just made it up, but. Uh, <laughs> But you know, they were injected with some kind of, of semen, you know, and, and they, uh-huh. they carried something to some kind of term, but it just because it was another species, it just they weren't able to have the whatever. Or it was. the aliens came back and they
1: took the whatever it was out of them.
0: That's true. Huh? That's a possibility. Didn't think about that. Um it's interviewing Bud again. The numbers of cases the physical marks, the emotion involved in the cases, the consistency of the accounts. The weight of the evidence is so powerful now that if I wished for the luxury of disbelief, it's not possible for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunate. It would be, in a certain sense, nice. Life would be a lot simpler if this would just go away.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially for the people who have experienced it firsthand. I mean, those women that are experiencing all these symptoms and I mean, it's not only manifesting itself physically, but it's also manifesting itself psychologically. It's causing physical and psychological damage.
0: Oh, it's a form of rape, you know. It, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's. They would probably go through similar feelings of violation as a rape victim would, you know. I mean, it's, it's against your will and. And they were violated, you know, so, I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. And then on top of that, it's, it, you know, nobody fucking People don't believe you. you. Yeah. They don't believe them. And how, you know, in, in the most, the most, um, you know, pro women person out there, you could be a victim of, of something like this and go for support and you still might not be believed, you know, like, oh, you're saying you got abducted and this and that happened. It's like, yeah, okay. Um,
1: so, yeah, they I mean, think it's, you're nuts.
0: Yeah. So, um, B- uh, Bud finishes with saying if, a sci- if scientists were doing what they were supposed to do, uh, they should be working on this, and it shouldn't be left to people like myself. An extraordinary phenomenon like this demands an extraordinary investigation, but the science community has sat on the sidelines this entire time. So,. Yeah, that's that's the case of missing time. And, and, you know, I just uh, the reenactments were fantastic. Um, Bob Bob Stack's narration was great um, in this particular episode. Uh, Christina Florence's uh, story actually sends chills down my spine whenever I think about it. Um, You know, getting out of the car and just seeing something, but they don't actually show what it is. And then they're on the in the park and then they're driving like hell. And then the wording and it's like it was like a symphony of 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 just perfection this segment to me it was just like perfect narration uh perfect uh segments perfect wording perfect writing It's like a conductor was just waving his hands and all this like perfect you know uh what make what for me personally makes a perfect unsolved mystery segment um th- this one would be up there for for sure but not nearly as perfect as the Alagash abduction. yeah
1: see i mean i like it but well, I, I, the, would, the, I would probably say I loved it, but I, I do like the segment. Though. The Alagash had those Sometimes illustrations
0: and those narrations under hypnosis of all four of the guys, and the drawings were just fantastic, and the music, and the whole climax of that segment is probably one of the best in Unsolved Mysteries history, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, I it's mean it's it's just it's like everything else it's the credibility of the witnesses that really makes me believe this story um it's the detail it's the you know how fucking normal they seem um i i love this case um it's been proven time and time again that missing time is a component of abduction um so yeah i mean it's it's just it's it's awesome that they took a the time to explain this one part of an abduction but yeah yeah but, uh, yeah, that's all the time we have for today. I've got to run and go and do something here, so I've, I, the time has caught up with me. For um, <laughs> You can uh, find me personally on Facebook, uh, Josh Cannon. It's um, youtube.com slash dancingwithghosts. Um, I do vlogs and video game stuff and just all kinds of entertaining videos and stuff. You can find Mike on YouTube. Uh, YouTube.com slash OCP Communications. He does a lot of movie reviews and fun stuff like that. He just did a big unboxing. And that's another thing. I think we got somebody sending us something. Uh, Mike. I think Mike, I'm not going to say his last name because uh, he didn't, you know, whatever. He doesn't know I'm going to be mentioning him, but he, he apparently wanted to send us something. So that's cool. Uh, if you want to do that, I guess message us and we'll tell you how you can do that because we really don't know how you can do that yet because there's two of us in different <laughs> locations. He's going to have
1: to send it. Separately,
0: yeah, separately, or to whichever one of us you feel you want to have it more, I guess. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. And now the competition starts, we got to start campaigning. But anyway, um, I'm Josh Cannon. This is Mike. Uh, that's all we have for this week. Thank you for listening. Yeah, uh,
1: thank you for listening, and uh, have a happy thanksgiving and uh, oh
0: yeah tomorrow's thanksgiving yeah happy thanksgiving yeah. everybody uh, don't and, eat uh, don't eat too much that when you eat to the point to where you feel like it's like you have trouble breathing because you're so full the doctors say that you're five times more likely to have a heart attack in that instance so with that being said don't overstuff yourself
1: yeah don't do that it's a bad idea so anyway thanks for listening and uh i guess uh, we will see you later See ya.